This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. <laughs> Dips into the wind. <laughs> it's a fantastic <laughs> saying. Game Time Podcast, another week of Premier League action and other footballing action has gone by and we will give you all of the lowdown. Everyone's on the pod this evening, fantastic, or morning or whenever you're listening to it. Going to start it off a little differently, but first I won't actually, I'll say how is everyone doing? Tim, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Tom, Ryan, how are you boys doing? Good, mate. Yeah, you? Yeah, very well, thank you very much. Right, going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to auction off what we're going to start talking about first. So what? tell me what you want to talk about. We'll start with Tim and then give me a reason or a bribe why you think it should be talked about first and I'll pick the best one. Tim, off you go. Uh, uh, can I go for Chelsea Norwich because we're not going to be able to talk about Chelsea winning very much this season so I'm going to take my opportunity to talk about it first. What the fuck happened to Villa Everton? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just talk about it first. It's the Jeez. game I wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so so Tim's gone for Chelsea because we don't get to talk about Chelsea. Tom, what, what have you got? I'd like to talk about Everton, Aston Villa, damn it. <laughs> Surprisingly so. Well, what about... I've got, and I will offer you um, a lot of intrigue. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Countdown clock. Uh, Ryan, what, what have you got for me? Um, I would like to start talking about the third Ashes test. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, you've got some uh, back up there. Um, um, I will go, I will, if I've got the casting vote, I think we should start off with Aston Villa v Everton because Tim was so desperate to talk about it. <laughs> what, what are you giving me to start with Aston Villa Everton? Um, a good hiding if you don't pick mine. <laughs> good God! <laughs> so- so I've got intrigue or I'll get beaten the shit out of if I don't start with it. So, you know what? I don't want to get beaten the shit out of. So let's start yeah. with Villa-Everton. Chronologically as well, it was a Friday night game. A 2-0 win for Aston Villa. They looked pretty decent. Tim, I know you, you had some ideas about this one. What, what did you think of the game? Yeah, well, I mean, it's quite interesting to see Aston Villa sort of in, starting to not pull a Fulham uh, <laughs> this season, which is quite nice to see. Um it was a bit, I did miss the start, so I missed Wesley's um, goal at the beginning, which is a bit annoying because it was a great finish. But um, it was a really exciting game, especially the second half, actually. It was really back and forth, which is just what we like to see in sort of Premier League matches, especially at the start of the season as well. We don't really know who's going to win. I think we all tipped Everton to do quite well this season. Um, and I think a lot of people thought Aston Villa were going to struggle. But it was very, very back and forth. Um, what was interesting to see is... Uh, Everton's starting lineup wasn't terribly strong, but then they brought on uh, the two ridiculously expensive signings, Keane and um, Iwobi, that they signed this summer. And they actually did quite well and they had a big impact on the game, which is quite interesting to see. Um, but I think Everton are going to really struggle if they don't pick up some some pace soon. They've got a great squad that's uh, you know have success in the next few seasons, but they really might struggle this year because um, they've got a lot of young players and they don't really seem to have... like. Well, tactics. <laughs> um, they don't have. They don't seem to have a way of playing. Whereas Aston Villa clearly said, 
you know, set out their way of playing and they executed it really well. Um, I think Everton are going to struggle this season, even if they do, you know, they set up their team to do really well in the next few years. Tom, I believe you put Everton in the uh, in the Everton position for the league for the predictions. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. The, the, the self fulfilling prophecy of Everton, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, think I had them as the the Everton Cup winners, Cup winners this year. So That's hopefully that'll be that'll come through. I think um, it's really strange if you look at the the, the team they put out. Um, Everton seem to be, I would say, have the pick of the players of the rest of the pack. I mean, you look at people they've they've signed some of the the other. Uh, best players from teams in and around that position. So, Michael Keane, obviously at Burnley, but you also got um, Richarlison, who was probably the best player at Watford for a period. Sigurdsson's obviously the the best the best player at Swansea for a period as well when they were in the Premier League. And their squad is very deep. And Moise Keane is is someone who's interesting. And I think what one thing they've started to do is start to to take the the weaker players in the top six clubs, like squad players. So Schneiderlin. Walcott and obviously now Wobi this summer, um, but it didn't seem to click on Friday night. Uh, I, I like Calvert Lewin as a player, but I'm not convinced he can play number nine and score uh, effectively and uh, regularly in the Premier League, which I think is going to be a bit of a challenge. But I think on the other side of it, Aston Villa have probably looked like they've been due a win every game they've played so far this season. I mean, this only being a third, they played well against Spurs, but I think Spurs are just a better team. And when they lost to Bournemouth um, at Villa Park, I, I felt like they probably felt they should have got something out of that game. Um, so it probably was a deserved victory in the end, and they, and they deservedly have three points on the board. And I think it's important that the big lad Wesley got off the mark as well. Bloody hell, I, sorry, I, I jumped the gun too slowly there. Uh, five minutes and four seconds, Bournemouth, into the pod there. Is it like... I feel like it's justified when he's talking about something in relation yeah, to schedule. I can't not, like, yeah. censor myself. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like you've turned around and gone, so what do you think of Aston Villa? Well, fucking Bournemouth are great, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just part of this pod now, as soon as Bournemouth is mentioned. By, no matter by whom, it, is, it gets time-stamped. Wesley is a, is a great shot. Really good finish as well. He doesn't even look up. As soon as the ball gets played into him, he just knows where to put it straight away and and that's a mark, I think, of a, of a decent striker. I know me and Ryan and Tim last week off-air were, were having a little chat about John McGinn and how he always just seems to be in the right place at the right time. He got a, a very late assist in that one for, for Anwar Al-Ghazi, but he's a very, very good midfield player, isn't he, Ryan? Yes, yeah. Like I say, we, we talked about this briefly last week. Um, the thing with him when he first came to Villa from up in Scotland... Obviously, he was signed. Um, he was one of the sort of the last players that Steve Bruce managed to sign um, in his sort of like forgotten reign now at uh, Villa Park. But he was one of those players that we sort of like kept with when um, Dean Smith took over. So yeah, it's very interesting to see. Obviously, the fact that he has now for Villa continued into the Premiership in, in a sort of like a good, a good sort of rich reign of form. Because like I say, he's very key with Grealish. I've said before. They dictate the tempo. It's a pretty much any Villa game in midfield. So yeah, very good to see him start as he means to go on. Hopefully in the in the uh, top flight. But yeah, very very good player. Very good on the ball. And like I say, he was the um, got a guy that got the first goal back in the uh, in the top division, which is obviously good for his confidence. And he's obviously kicked on since then. He's a very very nifty little midfield player. Uh, one thing that I did want to mention as well, and I know Tim touched on it at the beginning there that. And Tom as well. They they brought in new signings, uh, spent quite a lot of money under Marco Silva as well. 
They had nearly 65% possession in this one. 12 shots, but only one of them was on target. Do you think it's time that they actually start the, the new signing? Maybe you need to give them an opportunity, but I think if you're building a system, it doesn't just benefit from throwing players in at the deep end. Um, I think Everton are trying to play football that Marco Silva tried to, tried to implement at Watford and, and did implement for a spell. Um, but I think, yeah... I, I really want Calvin Lewin to succeed, and I think he's maybe struggling at the moment to being that focal point, surrounded by the sort of the three attacking midfielders in Richarlison, Sigurdsson, and Bernard. Um, yeah, may, maybe giving them a go. I mean that they've got obviously a, a, a game uh, in midweek this week, and maybe, maybe testing out a different uh, striker up front might help them. But they don't really have a sort of. If, if you see Moise Keane as a as a as a ready fit replacement for Calvin Lewin, aside from that, they don't really have a an immediate striker to swap in and, and replace Cavalier in the moments. There is a lot of trust in him. Um, but yeah, I think m- maybe you do rotate it and see if you can get goals another way. They yeah. would really do with a target man Everton at the moment. With players like Keane and Richarlison and um, Bernard and Iwobi all running off like a target man would work so well that could hold the ball up. But that's never been Carvalho in strength and I think he can get him behind. But they've also, they've got like all these players that can sort of do the same thing. And play in roughly similar positions. I mean, Sigurdsson's the only sort of midfielder they've got that can create. Um, but they've got no one to hold the ball up and no one to sort of, you know, bring bring the midfielders into the game, bring the wings into the game, which I think they're really struggling with. Um, and Cavalier really isn't the man for the job. I think he can do he can do a good job against sort of some teams in the way you're looking to play. But they do need someone to just bring the rest of the players into the game. And I think when they get um, countered and pressed as well, again. Teams. They're going to really struggle to sort of play out, um, and they're going to get punished for it. I think, which is why I said I think that they'll do very well in in seasons to come. But this year, they really might struggle just the way the sort of teams balance because it's not really. Seen as Chelsea versus Norwich was was another one on uh, everyone's talking points. Let, let's go to that one again. A victory for them. I say again, a victory for them this time. But again, they didn't look. They weren't completely uh, convincing. Tim, we'll go to you, the uh, the old Chelsea fan. Let's let's see I mean, what uh, what you thought of it. We're very much Chelsea of young, considering it's the youngest squad we've named in twenty five years in the Premier League. Smooth. Um, or the youngest youngest eleven. Um, I mean Norwich were like staff. Norwich were really good going forward. Like Puky was great, and they just they you know they attacked really well and they were really fluid. And our defence still isn't very good um, currently. Zuma looked a little. He looked better. Looks a little bit shaky, and Christensen again. He was he was probably the better of the two, but they don't look completely settled. Aspilicueta was again a bit a bit better, but um, they don't look defensively solid. Um, Emerson's great going forward now, proving himself to be probably one of the sort of top few left backs in the league at the at the start of the season, which is a big thing to say. But he is really really impressed. But again, they're just not very not great defensively. I think the only reason we um won that match against a very good Norwich side was sort of we created and finished chances really well, which is what we didn't do uh, in the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, Tammy Abraham scoring in the first few minutes with like a brilliant finish, um, proving all the haters wrong, which is actually quite nice to see. He scored two um, and Miss Mount was brilliant again. So like the reason we, we did well is that we, we created and finished well. But um, I think it just needs to, we need to be a little bit more solid and we do have a lot of players to come back. So um I'm hoping that it's sort of on and upwards and you know, Norwich, it wasn't just like a, oh, a newly relegated bottom of the table side. Like they're going to do very well this season, I think. 
So it's not it's a it's a good result going to to Power Road and picking up three points, and it was desperately needed as well. Yeah, I, still off the ball. I've got my questions about Chelsea. I don't know any about anyone else. Tammy Abraham took his goals well, but I, I just think off the ball they just look lackluster. I mean, I think the sort of offensive press is really good, but it's not like a press as a team. So like Mount will press really well and Abraham will press well and Kante and Kovacic, both uh, whoever's playing, will press well as well. But I think there's then sort of, you've got Jorginho sort of sat in the middle without anyone around him. And then the defence don't quite look, know, know what they're doing off the ball. I think they're all right sort of playing out, but they they look a bit shaky um, when teams are sort of coming at them, especially counter-attacking fast. And we do look shaky, but I think that's the biggest thing we're going to improve on. And, you know, the coaching staff know that. And with Rudiger, Rudiger to come back and hopefully Rhys James to slot in as well um, when he starts starts getting into the team, it will help. Um, and then this sort of offensive football where we you know win the ball high up the pitch will actually work because we can sort of start scoring goals from it. And if we're finishing a bit more clinical, that will really help. Um, and it'll help the defensive side as well. But you're right, we, they are very shaky defensively off the ball, I think. I know you. we were talking about earlier, you mentioned some VAR decisions that That'll be a thread throughout this season, just VAR decisions that go against clubs. Um, I saw the Ben Godfrey stamp on Mason Mount. That could have very easily been a red card. And then, was it the penalty decision? I'm not yeah, sure if any of you yeah, guys saw this on Azpilicueta. Again, very, very difficult, even with all the angles given. But are you, are you going with the fact that it was the wrong decisions all round not to award a red card and a penalty? I think the the Godfrey one is it was quite obviously a blatant stamp on Mason Mount. I think if you've got VAR, I mean it checked it and they decided against it. So whether they're just either sticking to this sort of set of rules that they've implemented with VAR for the first season it's in and they're going to stick by that completely, or whether they need to just start introducing some common sense and go, well he obviously moved to stamp on him um, and there should have been a card issued because I think it was rubbish. The penalty decision I, I understand a bit more in that referee didn't give it and they don't want to overrule the referee's decision on the pitch and it, uh, you know normal you know real time it, it was probably quite difficult to call with VAR uh, yeah it probably was a penalty but um, I think if, if, if they're really trying to um, keep the referee's decision as like a, a solid indicator then I can understand why that wasn't given but I think they, they yeah, it needs a lot of working out I think if they're going to carry on uh, uh, like this but they did get one right um, earlier on so it's not all horrendously bad. I tell you what is all horrendously bad, though. Arsenal's defending. <laughs> they, uh... Seam- seamless. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, especially David Luiz. For... I mean, we've talked about David Luiz enough times. He's not always the, uh, the sharpest of defenders. He goes missing. Never little... the sharpest. What was he doing for that Salah goal? It was a great goal by Salah, do not get me wrong. But he just goes to press possibly one of the most potent wingers in the league on the halfway line and just gets absolutely done in. Can we start at the beginning? <laughs> Rather than skip into the third goal? Because right. I've actually got something quite complimentary to say about the way Arsenal set up against Liverpool. And yes, it was undone by David Luiz being David Luiz, but if you sort of like watch the first half hour, 40 minutes, I think the way that Arsenal played against um, Liverpool was uh, probably the blueprint for any team looking to go to Anfield and still play relatively positively, but also try and get a result. 
I mean, they were happy to have the like let Liverpool have the ball out in wide positions and then cross the ball in. They seem to be relatively comfortable defending crosses. And then on the break, they look genuinely dangerous, especially with Pepe and Aubameyang up front. So I felt like the game, in a way, went a bit like the cup final, the Man City-Watford game. You know, uh, Roberto Pereira had that chance right at the start for Watford, mm. remember, in the cup final last year. And then obviously City went on to win like 6-0. But if that goal would have gone in, then maybe it would have been a bit of a different game. And I feel like that Pepe chance where he ran through the midfield and sort of behind the defence and then hit the ball basically straight at Adrian, like in the middle of the goal, if that goes in, it could be a very different result we're talking about here. But yeah, I think in general, I thought it was quite a positive performance from Arsenal, even though they lost, because obviously the goal they conceded was from a corner, it was a bit sloppy, and then you got the penalty, and then David Luiz going for a wonder. But um, yeah, I thought it'd just be like interesting to just to pick up on that, because I did think that they, they played Liverpool very well, in terms of like just letting them have the ball in the positions they didn't really think they were threatening. And I was impressed by uh, Willock as well from midfield, right, sort of running from sort of like past players. He seemed to seemed to have a good engine on him. So yeah, um, just thought I'd bring that up just as a bit before we start slating David Luiz because that's the like obviously the big talking point. Well, I I don't I don't wish to to slate David Luiz. Um, that was that was just one of the main talking points I picked up. But Arsenal, despite playing very well, tend to ship a lot of goals against Liverpool. Is it like what sixteen or seventeen in the last few games? So. What was the blueprint that was different in this game that you think other teams can pick up on for the rest of the season? Um, I definitely think the idea of giving the ball out, letting Liverpool have the ball out wide. I know Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson are very good at crossing the ball, but if you have defenders in there that are very good in the air, it's really not... I mean, you look at any sort of statistical analysis you want, crossing the ball is statistically quite a low value way of attacking the ball like there was that famous Man United Fulham game from the David Moyes era Danny I'm sure you remember the, the yeah. sort of like the 80 crosses game when like, they, drew, yeah, they drew 2-2 but then like the, the big thing was like they just kept bombarding with crosses and it, it wasn't really effective I feel like that's quite a good idea because then obviously that brings the fullbacks or the wingbacks so to speak forward in the sort of the position on the plate and they were leaving sort of Pepe who's obviously like very uh, fast and very tricky, um, and Aubameyang up front. So it was easy for them to break, and it was almost like a two-on-two. Two. And I know Fabinho sometimes drops back, but I just thought it was a very good tactic. And there was times when Pepe genuinely looked like he was sort of um, worrying Van uh, Van Dijk, which doesn't happen a lot. So, yeah, I just thought, like, first half hour or so, they were very proactive in the way they went around it. And, um, let's say, they take a couple of the chances they had. Pepe had a shot that went just past the post, and then had that shot that went straight to the goalie, and then all of a sudden they could be tuned up. So, yeah, I thought that was a good blueprint in terms of like allowing Liverpool to commit men, hitting them on the break. I feel like that's something that teams can exploit going forward this year if they are looking to go to Anfield and hopefully get a result. Tom, what did you think on, on this one? Do you think Arsenal have got a chance for, for top four? Uh, I think it depends how well the the strikers, so Pepe does alongside Aubameyang and Lacazette when he's in the squad as well. Um, I think the thing for Liverpool in this game is that, in my opinion, the, one of the biggest tests they're going to face so far this season is going to be how they can deal with that Alisson. Because I think there's that, that Pepe chance where he missed it with Adrian one-on-one. It, you're right, Ryan. It completely changes the complexity of the game and how the game shapes up. Um, so to have that sort of security at the back is so important with how Liverpool play that to have a keeper that isn't Alisson in goal, I think I would have thought would have, the, would have had the opportunity to... Um, to maybe drop some points so that they've done well to sort of 
comfortably beat Arsenal. You talked about the mistake David Luiz made on the third Salah goal, but I think the, the penalty decision was poor as well. What he's doing, grabbing the shirt in that position, it's an obvious foul. And then he sort of looks at the ref as if, oh, I thought that was fine. And like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I suppose we do have VAR now. Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to see that in slow motion. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to touch upon, I know it's so easy to get hung up on VAR, is that I thought before the season that VAR would mean that less uh, players would go down less. But I actually think it's making players go down more. So the Mason Mount example is what I'll use. But, I mean, he was stamped on, right? But I also think that there are numerous occasions where when a player is stood on and they now choose to go down because sometimes it looks a lot worse in slow motion. Uh, and especially when the VAR referees are viewing it, it, it's very difficult to tell in slow motion whether something's intentional or not. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that the, the way that that aspect is looking at... Um, uh, the the league or how the Premier League has, has shaped up so far will be interesting for the rest of the season if if there are more red uh, sort of subsequent red red cards given I mean if we're going to bring up Bournemouth at any point now's the time I suppose with the, the, I don't know if any either of you saw or any of you saw the um, a Dareson challenge on Callum Wilson uh, where the keeper comes storming out of the box takes Callum Wilson out on his thigh with a sort of a a, a kung fu kick type of challenge and is given a yellow card. And I don't want to say VAR benefits the big teams, but in that case, I think the Mason Mount one, you can sort of say, well, that clearly looks like there may be some malice behind it. But the idea that Adairson is taking out Callum Wilson and only gets a yellow card and no look from VAR seems um, a bit conspir- uh, conspiracy-driven, perhaps. But Well, it is a bit dodgy because, I mean, I will get onto Manchester United in a bit, but like Daniel James got sim- uh, booked for simulation last week and then got booked again for it. But then we saw the replay and he got actually got clipped on the knee and, you know, looked like he, he got fouled. But then the VAR check it anyway because it was only a yellow card and they didn't overturn it when clearly there was contact. So um, I don't know whether it, it benefits big teams or not, but it just, like, there seems to be no logic behind it. And, um, mm-hmm. like, they, you know, they just can't make any sort of standard decision and they just need to, like, there needs to be a bit of common sense with it. I would say that there's probably one thing in there that you know it's been a while since United could probably can be considered a big team, but uh... <laughs> uh, well played. Let's move on to to the Sunday. Harry Wilson did score an absolutely belting free kick, and I will um, I will say that is that's possibly one of the nicest free kicks I've seen in quite a while. But City did get the job done against Bournemouth as they usually do, unfortunately for you. Yep, uh, Sterling scores again. Uh, grass is green, all that type of stuff. Water's wet. Um, <laughs> I think it was it was a pretty standard performance from us against Man City. We we we're incapable of controlling. Well, we try and play a passing style against a, part, a team that's probably the best the best ever team to do it. Um, in my opinion, um, so it's, it's pretty gut, gutting for us every single game. Uh, <laughs> it was nice to score though, and I, I'm hopefully that means Harry Wilson will get a starting place in the Bournemouth team for the next game because he obviously only came on as a sub after what is probably a very bad injury to Charlie Daniels. Um, and I, ma- I imagine he's going to be out for the rest of the season, uh, which plays into Tim's prediction of the number of games he's going to play this year. Spot on if he's out for the rest of the season. Yeah, we, uh, we of course, don't like to uh, to make light of any injury, but I was absolutely no. gutted when he went off. I was like, <laughs> there's no way he's getting to eight now. <laughs> um, but in fairness, if there is a resilient player in our squad who does come back from these type of things, it is Charlie Daniels. He had a, a very long injury, uh, I think, in February last season, and they thought he would be out for the, most of this season. He's come back at the beginning. 
Yeah, I think apart from that in, in the game, we, we performed relatively well. Uh, and I think this is a, the game last season where we had like, no possession and we had no shots in the whole game. So I think we did probably try and look at it a different way this time and, and be a bit more competitive. Well, Bournemouth had 26.2% possession in that game. <laughs> <laughs> they, oh, no! But still managed to have seven shots on target, which was more than City's. Um, Fulham just... What was it, Ryan? Fulham ended on like eighty-seven percent possession the other day. Uh, no, it was just the first half. It was like eighty-nine percent in the first half. I think it went down to the low eighties, which is slacking. <laughs> yeah, that's poor. That is uh, that is very poor indeed. Right before we head on over to the break, we're going to do a little bit of a bumper upsets. Uh, Tottenham lost at home to Newcastle, and Manchester United lost at home to Crystal Palace as well. Uh, let, let's dissect this one. Fucking dog shit, mate. It's not even that, it's not even that difficult to get wound up about because they just didn't deserve it at any point. Um, they is in Newcastle or they is in Tottenham. Tottenham, Tottenham. awful. Like it's it's, but the problem is it's one of them results that's been in the post for about, I reckon, about eight or nine months. I mean, you look at the sort of like the last few months of the previous season and the start of this season we haven't really started any game we've played in with sort of like the intensity that we used to um like and especially the home games well obviously i know sort of maybe using last year's results is a bit of a sort of like a statistical anomaly because you, you sort of start the new season got new players whatever but we've genuinely been in this sort of pattern where we're finding it really difficult to break down teams that turn up and sort of play with a very low defensive sort of line um, it's happened a lot last season. Obviously, we had games where we sort of managed to scrape through. I remember there was a game we played against Watford last year and 1-0 down going into the last 10 minutes and managed to win that 1-0. Uh, sorry, 2-1. Um, and then there was another game against Burnley where we scored in like, the last minute and then 1-1-0. And, 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 but then, obviously, on the reverse side of that, you had the Villa game at the start of the season when we literally huffed and puffed for 75 minutes and barely broke them down and then scored three at the end when they were tired. You had also the West Ham game towards the end of last season when we got beat 1-0 and it was like the first loss we had at the new stadium and yeah it seems to be this serious problem at the minute with Pochettino trying to force this sort of diamond midfield that isn't really working mainly because you're leaving your two best players on the bench so you've got Vertonghen who's your best defender on the bench and then Davinson Sanchez comes in who's looked ropey in the games he's played this season and then you've got Ericsson on the bench who's your most creative midfielder and I don't really see how this situation gets solved until the transfer window gets shut, really. And then we decide, right, we're either going to keep him or we're going to sell him. Because at the minute, well, for both players, really, because at the minute it's just doing us a disservice because it feels like we can't play our best players, which is a bit frustrating. So, yeah, in terms of sort of the result, not really a surprise, considering how badly we've sort of started games against the, in brackets, lesser teams, if you will at home um, and then it's just like I say at the minute I'm just really looking forward to the transfer window shut until I know or well we know who is going to be at the club and who's playing and who's going to stay because at the minute it seems to be affecting Pochettino's team selections not good in terms of a Tottenham side but for the Newcastle side of things I'd imagine um, they're absolutely over the bloody moon with that result because it's been a tough yeah. start to the season for them and I'd hope I hope they will as well as well in fairness because obviously I, I have a bit of an issue with um, a lot of teams sometimes or a lot of teams get accused of this. So for example, like a, 
a team turns up and gets a result away from home against a team you're not supposed to win against. And you'll often hear sort of pundits or managers from the other side saying, oh, they've turned up and done a job on them. I don't really think that's true. I think, like, if you are expecting as a Newcastle fan to go away at Tottenham or a Palace fan away at Man United and win 6-0, then you've got to be sectioned because that's just <laughs> not going to happen. Um, but at the same time, like, you can reasonably expect if you defend well, you can get a 0-0 draw or you can maybe win 1-0 or 2-1. So I don't really see it like that. I, I, I just see the fact that we played terribly. They played very resolutely and defensively. They scored their chance. They probably could have had another one. And they deserve to win the game, whether or not it's, like I say, Newcastle or West Ham or, or whoever, or like Palace. It's, it's who plays better on the day. And I, I feel like both of the results this weekend, from what I saw from the United game as well, they reflected that. And like I say, you, you play bad football, you lose games. You play decent football, if not all out attacking, and, and you'll, you'll win them nine times out of ten. So I think the praise has to be here on to the teams that won rather than sort of be... Um, necessarily sort of focusing on why the other teams lost it because otherwise that detracts from the achievement slightly in my opinion uh, he says he says after spending five minutes having a go at Spurs <laughs> <laughs> dog shit was the first word yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought that was important because I, I feel like that like that result had been in the post for us for a while and I feel like it would hopefully with the Arsenal game coming up at the weekend will hopefully give us a bit of a boost in terms of morale and sort of like actually give us a kick up the arse and say, right, we actually need to start playing well here because otherwise we're going to get um, beaten again on Sunday and it'll be much worse. Concerning indeed. Uh, Manchester United also lost. Uh, right, let's head on over to... The <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't much better at Old Trafford. Um, I'm going to be honest, I thought when Dan James scored that equaliser... It'd be the Man United of old, which is a sentence that is said way too much, in my opinion, and, and would go on to score. But Patrick Van Aanholt ran up the other end and, uh, and slammed one in the bottom corner. And that means Manchester United have won just three of their last 15 Premier League games. <laughs> yes. That's going to hurt. You hate to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I hate to see just it. Just Danny hates to see it. I'm not sure about you guys. Uh, but we always beat... Chelsea 4-0 at the beginning of the season, so we'll take that. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not one of those people. How did it, that go for you on Twitter? Yeah, that was poor from the admin. That was... <laughs> that was. Very... I mean, that's, that was supposed to be my talking point, but I might as well mention it now. Um, the fact that you then tweeted, you were like, oh, it's a lovely day at Old Trafford. Wish we were playing Chelsea again, though. Proceed to lose 2-1 to Crystal Palace. They then tweet you saying, oh, how did that go? Um or like, oh, they're saying, we're well, sure you do. And then Chelsea then yeah. tweeted on that bandwagon as well, saying, how, you know, how did that go for you? So it doesn't go on the pitch or off the pitch this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel Manchester United, have, they've just played their hand so early with the fact that everyone knows they're going to counter-attack them. And teams like Palace, and I think I said this in the beginning pod, United will be fine against teams... Maybe not City and Liverpool, because that, that's maybe too extreme. But they will be okay against the teams that want to play f- football. I'm, I'm saying that in air quotes, but you can't see me. Who want to play the ball forward, who want to send numbers forward. But when you come up against Palace and this weekend Southampton, who are not going to want to just bomb everyone up there to let you counterattack them, they're going to come unstuck because they've got a number 10 in Jesse Lingard who hasn't registered a goal or assist since December. How can you create anything? when a team is sat behind the ball, when your most creative player is essentially playing as a quarterback, as they're now calling him, in deep-lying midfield. 
And I think that's where United are going to come unstuck through the rest of the season. When teams just sit back and go, go on, break us down then, they're not going to break them down because as good as Martial is, as good as Rashford is, as good as everyone that team is, they don't have a number 10 who can dictate play for them. No, I think you're strong. I mean, the stat was, it's been going around on Twitter and I don't, <laughs> this is a bit odd, but uh, in the last, like, what was it, five years or something, uh, Adam Johnson has more Premier League assists than Jesse Lingard and he's been in prison for three of those years. Yeah. Um, it, it's not, not looking good for... <laughs> Uh... Um, <laughs> oh. I mean, I, I can tell that Jesse Lingard is a better person than Adam Johnson. Just, um, it's not quite clicked for him on the pitch, creator. At least, at least legally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would like to add one more thing about. And there's been a lot of controversy. I think post games, both after the Palace game and after the. I was going to say you wanted to add a bit more about Adam Johnson. No, no. Trying to steer clear. Um, there's been obviously a lot of abuse that's been aimed at Manchester, uh, specifically black Manchester United players. Mm. Um, and the thing, I think there's been a lot of commentary about the penalty and the, um, the obviously the, the Pogba list uh, or the save from Pogba last weekend uh, was, well, was may, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe there's a bit of criticism. The Rashford stuff I don't get, like that, that Rashford penalty, he's hit the inside of the post, prob- probably an inch to the right, and that's the perfect penalty. Like, I, and he's never missed a penalty before for club or for country, right? Like, I, I think it's, it's hugely coincidental that Pogba missed his on Monday and then Rashford missed his today because it's a pretty good penalty, if I'm honest with you. Mm. So the, the, the criticism I've seen Ian Wright has said, oh, I used to practice penalties 25 times. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it's, it's different. He, he's hit the inside of a, the post on, on a penalty. Ricky Lambert missed one penalty, lest we forget. <laughs> so, I mean, like, he's not always going to score. So it's, it's disappointing to miss. But I think the way that the whole of the media, not just the trolls on Twitter, have come out against the, the penalty aspect of the game. I also think United probably should have had more than one. And we've already discussed the, the, the diving issues with, with um, the diving charge with Dan James, which was right on the edge of the box as well. I think Palace were lucky to get a win. It's a pretty late strike from Van Aanholt. But United will be disappointed. I think the first goal for them was very poor defending. Maguire didn't step up in time when the header was one on for a flick on to Ayew. That's disappointing as, from a defensive point of view. But United looked a bit more constructive. I think they need to get uh, Wambasaka involved a bit more. I think Dan James sometimes does look a bit isolated. So getting him involved in the build-up play and I think Martial sounds like he might be injured as well. So there may be a glorious return for Alexis Sanchez before the end of the transfer window as well. <laughs> so maybe maybe things are looking up for United. If, if, if Alexis Sanchez goes now, I think that would be very poor from Manchester United. Had he been sold like a month ago, no one would have complained. But with the fact that as a backup to that front three, your next winger slash forward is 17-year-old Mason Greenwood. I think you need to keep someone like Sanchez. I know you're paying him a lot of money, but you, he's going to have to pick himself up by the bootstraps, I think, and go, I need to help this team out. But that's for another pod. Right, let's, let's go on to a break, and then when we come back, it's prediction time. Slash, terrible tens. We gave it a name last week. But I'll tell you something. Honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Right, OK, lads. We ready for some predictions then? Don't all scream at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so possibly the most underwhelming set of games we've had in the brief history of this. Um, once again, what we'll do is we'll run through the games. Obviously, because all of us are here this week, which is ideal, because it means that we won't have to go through and say what this person chose. So 
the games this week, Brentford against Derby to kick us off in the Championship. So nice and sort of well, semi-niche, I'd say, that one. Um, would you like to hear mine first to get you started or would you want to sure. just go in on this? Please well, I've gone, I've gone for Brentford to win, partly because I feel like their performances at the moment, they are doing pretty well in games. They're, they're sort of losing by narrow margin. They lost against Charlton and Leeds by the odd goal this week. So I think they might... Um, the performances aren't a problem. It's just obviously just getting over the line. So I've gone for them to win 2-1 against Derby at Griffin Park. Tim, what do you think? I have gone for a draw. I was going to say 2 all, but I've gone with one all. Um I just think, I think Brentford are playing quite well, but I think Derby will sort of hang on and probably get a late late equaliser. But I've gone with one all. It could easily be 2 all. I think. Yeah, Derby have, like I say, the last couple of games, they have sort of like got sort of like draws or maybe games haven't gone their way. So, yeah, that potentially could carry on. Tom? I've also gone for a 1-1 draw. A lot of insight there for Tim. I'm just going on gut. Um, <laughs> you got about the bees at home, but I think Derby, the Rams, uh, will be looking to come out strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they are currently 2-0 down to Nottingham Forest in the Cup. So, yes. all to play for in the league. Oh, uh, we're going to have another one of these again, aren't we? We'll we are. Oh, excellent. Okay, uh, Danny? Uh, I've gone for insert animal pun here, 2 1 Derby. Okay, so we've got. These three... aren't animals, they're insects. <laughs> <laughs> we've got all three of the results. <laughs> Possible. Um, also, I'm going to see if Tim's um, home team. Yeah, sort of like the, the, lack of, the lack of back in the home team's carries on because the next game's Chelsea Sheffield United. So, Tim, what do you think? Uh... I can tell you that I haven't gone with it for, for this match, but I'm going to be honest, a lot of the home teams are losing in this prediction list. Um, Chelsea 3, Sheffield 1. OK, interesting. Uh, which Sheffield, just to be sure? <laughs> Sheffield wins. Sheffield FC. Um, <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing predictions from 1850. <laughs> um, OK, so yeah, back to the home team. I have as well. I've gone for 1-0. I think that it's going to be a lot closer than people think, I reckon. I know... On paper, it looks like a maybe an easy Chelsea win, but I think Sheffield United have, have got enough to sort of trouble them. Danny, I've gone with a narrow one as well, two one to Chelsea. I think both teams will score in this one. Interesting. So you think that Sheffield United might even score that? Uh, cool, Tom. I'm uh, copying Ryan this time. I think this will be a one nil Blues win against the Blades. Um, <laughs> I, th- I don't know any of them after this, so this is that's as far but as yeah. It I, I'd really, I'd got a lot of time for you to carry this on into Hearts against Hamilton. <laughs> you, you, you set yourself up, mate. You've got to bang on through. There's eight more to go. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to start making them up. Um, so yeah, I think I also agree. I think this will be tough. Uh, tougher than maybe anticipated, and considering Chelsea have just come off the back of playing a newly promoted team as well, um, Sheffield United probably will will want about uh, well keep their strong start going, and then they'll come out fighting against Chelsea. The first uh, with, with with the most amount of respect to Bournemouth, the first big team they've played so far this season. Um, but I think that'll be a one nil uh, win to Chelsea. Very nice, interesting. Also, so, just just oh, one on. more thing. I, I just want to touch on Tammy Abraham. Uh, we didn't get to mention him earlier on. Um, I'm really looking forward to in two and a half years' time when he signs for Bournemouth, just so everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. So, moving up north of the border again, um, we've got Hearts against Hamilton. So, Tim, the expert on Scottish football, what do you think? I've got a fucking clue, mate. Um, <laughs> I've gone for... Uh, the away team biased heart of Midlothian 1 Hamilton Academic 2 
Interesting. Okay, so and that's based on just pure guts. I mean, <laughs> uh, Hamilton are a bit above them in the table, so I thought, why the fuck not? <laughs> Decent I think Danny. I looked at like goal scoring <laughs> against at some point, but I've forgotten it. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm not going to press you on this because I know for a fact that you don't know it. N- none of us do because it's, it's shit soccer. Um, uh, Danny, what do you think? Uh, I've gone for a one-all draw and I've only gone for that because last week Hamilton got a player sent off called Hamilton, which I thought was great. So I'm giving him a one-all draw. Very nice. Tom? I'm going for a big 3-1 vi- win at home of Hearts. Against the Yakis um, in, in, in Hamilton. Uh, yeah, I think Hearts will comfortably win. You know, nice. what? I, I've just Googled Hearts nicknames. Have you seen it's the jam, It's the Jammed Hearts, man. The Jammed Hearts. And my yeah. favourite one, the Jambos. It's <laughs> <laughs> a thing. The Jambos. <laughs> nice. Um, Literally get sponsorship from Jammy Dodgers. <laughs> I think probably, if not, then they should do now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, just in the interest of fairness, I said 2-0 hearts just because, I, I don't know, I just did. <laughs> uh, um, so, the big game in the Midlands this weekend, Northampton against Plymouth. <laughs> this is a, um, a sort of like a thing that I was mentioning the other day to the boys um, off air, that because I live relatively close to Northampton, apparently they get picked a lot for this because they're the nearest football league team. So, you better get Scott and the Cobblers, boys. Uh, Danny, would you like to kick us off with this? Um, I've gone for the fact that uh, Northampton are, are playing in a Football League trophy match against the Arsenal under-21s this evening. I think they're going to absolutely be uh, well up for it at the weekend, so I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. <laughs> OK, interesting, considering that Northampton have started the season terribly in Plymouth, our joint top. 2-0 win, mate. Come Yeah, easy. Um, personally, I've gone for a 3-1 Plymouth win just because they just seem to be the, one of the best teams in the division at the minute and Northampton not that. Um, Tom, <laughs> what do you think? I am going to go for a draw. I think I, I agree that Plymouth look to be good in the division, p- p- potentially too good. And maybe by the end of the season, we'll be uh, a different, <laughs> in a different division. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> but uh, I bat—I mean, I bat the cobblers. Whenever I'm looking out for the for the results, uh, I always do have a nice little eye on Nottingham. On Nottingham, <laughs> Nottingham, Nottingham cobblers. <laughs> Sorry, the uh, Northampton Town uh, boys. Um, so I will go. I'm going to go for a one-one draw. Oh, interesting. I mean, you've got a lot more faith in them than I have because fucking awful. <laughs> uh, Timothy. Uh, I've joined you and said 3-1 Plymouth. The away team bias continues. There it is, yeah. You just hate the home teams. <laughs> um, so, moving in back into the Championship then. Nottingham Forest against Preston North End. Two decent teams, I think, personally. And that's why I've said it's going to be a one-all draw because I just think both teams could easily cancel each other out. They seem to have made relatively respectable starts to the season. But, um, Danny, are you going to back me up or are you going to disagree? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm gonna disagree. I've gone for a narrow Nottingham Forest win. Uh, I thought they played really, really well against Fulham, and that goal they scored where every single member of their team touched the ball. I thought was bloody lovely. So I've gone for a one-nil win. Interesting. So yeah, I did see that game as well. I thought they were hanging on towards the end, but I think they did enough to win. So that was pretty good and a pretty big result for them. Early doors. Um, Tim. 
<laughs> like Nottingham Forest is like my second team, so I can't go for the home team to lose again because that would be blasphemy. <laughs> I've gone two on um, Forest, but um, we always seem to start the season quite well and then just tail off massively. So um, I'm not, not expecting very much. Is that Chelsea or Forest? Yeah, just to be, just, just to be clear. Just, uh, also, also, just to be clear, because um, I couldn't quite hear you. Do you say 2-0 or 2-1? 2-1. 1 thank you very much. Tom, what do you reckon? Is Lewis Graben still a goal-scoring machine for Nottingham Forest, Tim? He is. Well, that'll be a 1-0 win to Preston North End. <laughs> <laughs> Not that much of a goal-scoring machine, <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I think uh, I think Preston North End, uh, they've got Jaden Stockley, another Bournemouth protege. Yeah. All of the Bournemouth players. But didn't, didn't uh, he play like half a game for Bournemouth and they just fucked him off to Exeter? Yeah, I, I don't know if he actually even played the competitive match. So um, <laughs> uh, so I think, I, I do like Preston North End actually. I've seen them play a few times last at the back in the last season when they were looking like they might be able to push into the playoffs. Um, it ultimately fell away at the end. But I think that will, I do think it will be a 1-0 Preston North End Upset. Oh, for fuck's sake, I've written it the other way round. <laughs> pen and paper has its limitations. <laughs> oh, you can't rub out pens. <laughs> oh, how do you turn a naught into a one? <laughs> so disappointed. Now it looks like a two. <laughs> you have to rewrite the whole page. Uh, I might that? have to. I might have to in a minute because it's going to annoy me. <laughs> I should do that off air. <laughs> Change your prediction. Okay, yeah. We're going to cool. angrily, angrily move on to Oxford against Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, just so we don't fuck about anymore, <laughs> shall, shall we go for yours again? But this time be very clear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for a... I, knew, I used to know the physio who worked for Oxford United. Um, not anymore, and I think it's going to be two-two. Oxford United, Coventry City. Very good. I also think there's going to be goals in this, but I think it's going to be two-one to Oxford personally. Um, Tim, what do you reckon? Have you got uh, any particular uh, loyalty? Coventry. <laughs> oh uh, no, I literally don't care. But three-one Coventry. Don't care. Sound. Three-one Coventry. Danny, what do you reckon? Uh, I have gone for a 1-0 win to Coventry. They've not lost yet this season. And they had a bloody good comeback against Portsmouth. So I think that'll keep them going for the rest of the summer. That was so shit. <laughs> <laughs> 3-1-off against nine men. And they just, oh, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> it was wonderful. Um, so, Moose, well, staying in the same division again, Peterborough against Sunderland. Now, I don't know if you saw the results at the weekend, but Peterborough beat MK Dons very, very convincingly away from home and also included a really, really good goal from Marcus Madison, who scored from about 35 yards out and he went in the top corner off the post. That was very, very good to see. Um, on that evidence, I've gone for Peterborough to batter Sunderland 3-1. So that could potentially come back and bite me, but we'll see how we go with that one. Uh, Tim, what do you reckon? 2 all. To all, there does seem to be a whiff of goals about this game. I don't know why. Mm. It just seems to just. This is the point where Danny and Tom say two 0 draws back to back. Danny, what do you reckon? Uh, I've gone for two one to Sunderland. Oh, okay. So you've dipped into the away end, Tom. <laughs> dipped into the away end. <laughs> it's a fantastic <laughs> saying. <laughs> Sounds like a euphemism. Yeah, super big, super big. Okay. <laughs> 
so Peterborough are mid-table at the moment. Decent start to the season, not as good as Sunderland. But I also think that Peterborough may scrape something here. I'm going to go 2-0 to Peterborough. Ooh. Interesting. So even though Sunderland are considered probably the bigger team, mm-hmm. only one person backing them. We shall see. Okay, down to Danny's deck of the woods again. He's just filling time while he's writing it down. Until he speaks just ever so slightly slower. Sunderland. Just gonna get just gonna get one one bit where I'm just gonna find facts and I'm gonna put them next to the pad so I can just go formed in eighteen seventy-two. Like the FA Cup draw. Yeah. There's always one thing, isn't there? They just like yeah, not in a forest. They play in red. <laughs> <laughs> okay, red in Charlton then. This is difficult, so that's why I've said it's going to be a nil-nil. Danny? I've got one nil red in... Ooh, home bias again. <laughs> Purely because you live near Reading. I do. Uh, Tim? Uh, I've gone Reading 1, Charlton 2. I think Reading 4 will not continue from the last few games. Interesting. Both teams are actually doing quite well at the minute, I think. And then, like I said, they've had decent starts. But yeah, this, this could go either way, really. Uh, Tom? Charlton are the closest league team to me geographically, so I'm going to back them. I'm going to go 2-0 to Charlton. Another, another Bournemouth product, Lyle Taylor, ripping up the front line for them this season. So. <laughs> he's, when, he's at good. what point did he play for Bournemouth? Very, very early on in his career. Because he, he came from he came from Sheffield United, so it must have been a loan spell, surely. No, no, he he was he was a youth player for us. Oh and, really? Uh, we signed him non-league, and then he left us. Then he went to. Uh, oh, we could really get into the depths of Wikipedia now. I think um, he went. He went Sheffield, appearances. Sheffield United was it, and then Wimbledon, and then. Uh, after us, he played for Falkirk. Then he played for Sheffield United. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Really didn't like Scotland then. It was a no. brief, brief six-month one. <laughs> he was at Partick as well, twice, just to make Jesus. sure. Just, just to make sure he hated it. <laughs> okay, so back into the Premiership now with Southampton against Manchester United. So, Danny, I'm going to come to you first for obvious reasons. I'm come slightly by 1-0 Manchester United. I can see your point. I've gone for 2-1 personally, mainly because I think Southampton will be a little bit more... Um, confident after the result in the, mid, uh, in the week sorry, against Brighton. Um, I think they could probably do similar to what they did against Liverpool in terms of maybe not win, but give them a good game. So I've gone for 2-1 United myself. Uh, Tim, what do you reckon? Uh, 2-1 United. I think Southampton. I think United will play pretty well, actually. I think Southampton will just grab a goal late on because it's United. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Tom? I think it's going to be a lot more comfortable. I think it'll be 3-1 Man United. I think um, Southampton, I haven't been that impressed with them this, so far this season. I think they'll, they'll um, lose comfortably. Yeah, yeah, I, can, yeah I, can, I think that's the first time we've actually all agreed on the score, so that's interesting. So that'll probably end 0-0 now and no one gets any points. <laughs> <laughs> Wigan-Barnsley then. The, uh, there's always a game on this every week that seems to be like a rugby league game. And this <laughs> is the one this week. So, uh, Tom, how's your rugby league knowledge? Limited. I'm going to go for Wigan one nil at home. Yeah, these two teams don't strike me as a, uh, the sort of two that are going to go into like a three all draw sort of game. So that's pretty sensible, Danny. I've gone for nil nil. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well then, Tim. 
I also went for nil-nil because I realised that the entire way down I hadn't put a team to uh, not score. So I went for nil and it turns out these two have just been playing really badly. So oh yeah, just looking... I don't think I didn't want to lose. In front in front of... when With all the results sitting in front of me, yeah, you've gone for an absolute goal fest. So yeah, that's fair. <laughs> also, I forgot There's to read about earlier. 25 on there. Um, Reading chart when I had as a nil-nil draw, as we talked about earlier, but... Um... I think I just forgot to read it out. Um, and I've gone for Wigan Barnsley's one all draw. So, yeah, very low scoring. Don't bother going to the DW Stadium if you can avoid it on Saturday. <laughs> um, before we sort of then move on to talking points, just a big shout out to Danny's brother, Luca, who I don't know how managed to get 13 points last week in the um, <laughs> in the game because, like, he openly admits, or Danny openly admits on his behalf, that he knows very little about football. So, well done to him, you little shit. Um, <laughs> Bearing in mind, Danny, he's got more points in one week than you did over the last two. That's pretty gutting. And nearly double um, points, let me just add that in. Yes, very good, yeah. <laughs> um, so, just as a bit of a housekeeping thing, Tim, you're still lagging behind on seven, so you need to pull right. your finger out this week. Um, stop going for all those away wins. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I will commit for the entire season. <laughs> and then one week, it'll, put, it'll like pay off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Danny, um, you're <coughs> third place on 12. Then Tom, you're just be- um, behind on well, just behind me on 14. I'm on 15. So very slender lead at the top at the minute, but I will be milking that as long as it lasts. Um, and we will pick this up next week, boys. But yeah, thank you very much. Um, remember, you can get in touch if you go to our Twitter game time underscore pod. We pin the prediction games each week. They'll be out as soon as you listen to this podcast. Put your predictions down below or DM us or message us gametimepodcast1 at gmail.com to get involved in the Listener League. Technically, the Listener League is just Luca at the moment and he's flying away with it. Yeah, and he's pretty points. red hot at the minute, so I won't bother. <laughs> I, I will tell you for now, he was sat on the sofa next to me and he just went, come on, playing green, right? And I was like, yeah. And he went, well, all right then. And then just started <laughs> scribbling away on a notepad. I was like, okay. Okay, that's how you're going to do it. Uh, As always, we finish off our pods with some talking points, the weird, wonderful and funny from football. Uh, Who wants to kick us off this week? Red Star Belgrade have put a tank outside their own ground. (laughs) (laughs) You you have my interest. Go on. Um, so as as we are sort of like uh, doing this as a weekly feature now, we're talking about games as they go on, even though it's going to make us horrendously dated. Yeah, at the minute, um, there are some Champions League qualifiers um, going on because the draw is going to be made on Thursday. Red Star Belgrade playing at home to Young Boys um, from Switzerland. They've got a 2-2 advantage because they were the away team in the first leg. It's currently 0-0 coming up to half-time. But yeah, story earlier on um, BBC Sport that they'd the fans or sort of like the um, the ultras there had turned up and basically just put a, uh, a tank in the way. So, I don't know if it's a show of solidarity. I know Red Star will be... Well, we we hope not because of the previous, uh, shall we say, political instability in the region. We'll just just swiftly move on from that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, they've they've parked out there, I'm assuming, to sort of G the players up. But yeah, it's um, Red Star traditionally were a team supported by the army. So you can see the sort of connotations there. Um, when it was sort of like the old Soviet, um... the, the mild connotations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a tank. Yeah, and it was it was an actual it's a 1990s Yugoslavian tank as well. So that's got um that's got some significance to it. I'm sure. <laughs> also, just looking on here on um on the internet, 
Um, do you know what their stadium's called? I don't know. What is it? It's the Maracanã Stadium, but with a K instead oh, of a C. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, what what makes you think of Brazil more than being in the former Yugoslavia? <laughs> it's like being at Rio. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I'll tell you what, with the politics going over in Brazil, it's probably not too dissimilar, but we're not a political podcast, <laughs> so we're just going to slide. Let's leave that. Let's uh, slide away from that. Uh, Tim, Tom, what, what you got for me? I've used all of mine. All right, mate. <laughs> Well, uh, fuck the you then. <laughs> I was going to talk about uh, the Neymar transfer that, so that outside of uh, well, outside of the Premier League and in pharma pharma league news, um, you've got some interest <laughs> from uh, Barcelona apparently being now official that they're, that they're meeting up with PSG representatives to to discuss the transfer of Neymar. And what I think is quite interesting is that I think that he may move for an even bigger fee than he did when he left. Barcelona um so and I think that a lot a lot of the maybe a lot of the metrics are talking about how maybe they'll include players but I th- I mean he's going to break the transfer market again uh I, it just truly is incredible that he's I don't I mean I, I don't even know what statistic I presume statistically he's had very good seasons in France because every significant player who plays in France seems to have st- significantly good seasons statistically but I, I don't really understand. Well, I don't understand why P- P- Barcelona would particularly want to invest in him again. Um, it also does raise the question of what is the point of having financial fair play if, if you, whenever you want, you can just go out and spend two hundred million pounds on a player, uh, but still sign on loads of other players this summer as well. So that will be something to look out for over the next couple of uh, couple of days when the transfer window ends. I think on the second of September in Spain. Yeah, it will be. It will either be a stupidly high astronomical fee, or it'll be like Neymar moves to Barcelona for fourteen man part exchange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the entire squad goes on loan to PSG for a year. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, I'll I'll end it with my one. I don't know if you saw Chris Wilder's interview. I've I've got a bit of a, a thing for Sheffield United at the moment. I just seem to to be all. Over. I'm not sure if you saw his uh, his press conference the other day. He was a very angry man. <laughs> he was a very angry man, and it wasn't about football. <laughs> he, um, the one, the post-match press conference was great. He was a very angry man in that one. And then someone, I, I can't remember, I think this is maybe before the press conference starts, they're just talking to him, and he basically said, uh, I've let the staff and the players know that if anyone talks about cricket, they'll be sacked because I had a ticket to go to that Ashes match. And I turned it down. And he doesn't say what he was doing, which is what I wanted to know, what he turned it down for. <laughs> he said he was watching it at home and he, he wouldn't let anyone talk about it, otherwise they'd get the sack. What an idiot. Turning <laughs> <laughs> down a ticket for that match. I, yeah, I, there must have been uh, some extenuating circumstances. But yeah, if you get a chance to, uh, to have a look at that press conference, I think it's on BBC Sport as well, um, do go and have a look at it. Unless anyone else has got anything, I think that's going to wrap up for this week. Yeah, all right then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you, as always, for listening. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, so many things. If you could leave us a star rating, a little thumbs up, whatever you want to leave us, that would be lovely. Um, Until next week, have a wonderful week. Tom, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Ryan, see you later. Yeah, and you, mate. Cheers, Tim. Cheers. We will see you next week. Bye.